It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We have entered the heart of fantasy football draft season as we are only under three weeks away until the start of the NFL season. This is episode two of This Week in Fantasy, or TWIF as it's affectionately called. I am your host, James Seltzer. You can follow me on Twitter at James Seltzer. we got a lot to get into today. We've got Sigmund Bloom coming up in just a little bit. As we do each and every week, Sigmund, uh, full of information today, all kinds of players he's going to touch on, and a, a lot of, of detailed stuff as we really get into drafts here over the next few weeks. So uh, I just want to start by a couple quick notes, obviously, some stuff in the fantasy world, and then um, a few things that I've noticed in a, a couple of the early drafts I've done, and, and some of the guys who've changed my opinion on them or who maybe where I'm seeing them go has changed my opinion on them uh, so far. But a couple quick notes, as I said, to start first and foremost, I think the biggest news in the fantasy world, so to speak, and NFL world, as it were, over the last couple weeks uh, has been the Dion Lewis injury. Lewis, of course, was expected to be able to start the season after the ACL tear last year was on the pup list was moving along slowly, but it's the Patriots. So, you know, with Belichick, you're thinking there's some sort of games involved there. Turns out, Adam Schefter comes out and reports that Lewis needs a new scope on his knee and will be out at least 8 to 10 weeks. Uh, Of course, will be on the pup list, so couldn't even play for six, even if healthy. A big injury for the Patriots for a team that also just lost Sebastian Vollmer, who is their best offensive lineman, likely for the season to a shoulder injury. They're starting left guard, Shaq Mason just broke his hand. Uh, he'll be out for a while. Th- there are some real issues with that offense. Obviously, we'll be missing Tom Brady for the first four weeks as well. So this Lewis injury comes at a bad time and in a bad situation with the Patriots. I guess, you know, James White would probably be the next running back on that team that I would want to own. I-, I know a lot of people would think it's LeGarrette Blunt, and potentially in standard leagues you go Blunt. 
But uh, in PPR, half-point PPR, I think uh, White is clearly the guy. I think with the issues that O-line's going to have, both with already the injuries they have and, and the lack of talent and depth along that line, it could be a tough hoe trying to run the ball for that team all season long, or, or especially without Brady. So White will get involved in the passing game. I don't like him nearly as much as Deion Lewis, but in a PPR league, he's probably a top 25 guy, so there is some value there. Uh, moving on uh, uh, to some more positive news in the running back world as Le'Veon Bell's suspension was reduced from four games to three on the surface that may not seem like such a big deal, but when you think about the fact there are only 16 games, getting one back is pretty significant, especially in fantasy where really those first 12 or 13 weeks are all that matter to you. So personally, if he had no suspension at all, he'd be my number one player on the board in, in any type of league, even over Antonio Brown. But with the suspension, I, I still have trouble taking him, even with the, the one game less, I still have trouble taking him over those top five backs on the board in Gurley and Peterson, Johnson, Elliott, and Lamar Miller. But, I, I mean, I really could see him moving him up ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, Lamar Miller, and David Johnson. It's a lot closer now based on the unpredictability with some of those guys and the fact that once Le'Veon is out there, he should be, you know, the most impact player in fantasy or one of the, the biggest impact players in fantasy. So... The extra game matters, and, and he should move up your draft boards. And, I, you know, if, if the situation's right, if he falls to you, I absolutely think you have to pounce on him earlier than you would have before. A couple more notes quickly. Uh, the DGB trade, obviously a, a big deal in Philly as Doriel Green Beckham comes to reinforce that insanely great Eagles wide receiver core, obviously being facetious there. Ugly wide receiving core. I don't like Beckham for fantasy this year or for real life that much, but... Especially in fantasy, I just don't see him coming in, learning a new system, and making a big impact in an offense that I think is going to struggle anyway. Uh, the more interesting side of the trade is in Tennessee, where it opens up a little bit more playing time for guys like Rashard Matthews and Tajay Sharp. Uh, Sharp has been one of those late-round kind of sleeper guys uh, who's shown some potential, but <clears throat> I'm much more interested in Rashard Matthews. He is going way too late in drafts. I mean, he's getting undrafted in some leagues. He's going to lead the Titans in catches. Well, Delaney Walker will probably lead the Titans in catches, but he will be their leading receiver in terms of receptions likely, and we've seen him make an impact in Miami and be fantasy relevant. So that's a guy you can get really late who is going to make an impact, especially in PPR leagues. And the last note, Fat Carlos, out of a job. Carlos Williams cut by the Bills, obviously not that surprising when you look at the four-game suspension to start the season and, of course, the fact that he gained a bunch of weight, came to camp and tried to blame it on his pregnant wife. But, you know, we all make mistakes, right? But um, I think the more damning fact is is the fact that he passed through waivers unclaimed by 31 other teams. Not a great sign for him. Talented guy, won't cost much. I think someone will give him a chance, but I would not be buying Carlos Williams' future stocks, as it were. All right, before we get into segment, I just want to touch on, on each position here and a couple of things that I've noticed in my early drafts. Uh, a couple of guys, my opinion has changed on either by their performance on the field or kind of how they're fitting in their new offenses, or simply like Rashard Matthews, guys who are just going way too late or way too early, uh, and thus my opinion has changed on them as well. Let's start the quarterback position. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, it's been kind of a running theme throughout this draft season, is that you can wait on quarterback. You can. <laughs> That's, you really can. I, you know, it, it's obviously, again, you know, we always preach here, best player available, let the draft come to you, you know, f take the draft as it comes. But 
Um, so, you know, look, if, if uh, uh, Cam Newton or Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson is sitting there in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, that's the kind of stuff you, you have to take advantage of. Zig is other zag, you know, as it were. But outside of those situations and, and you know, two quarterback leagues or especially deep leagues, I really think that the, the prevailing narrative here is actually the correct one. Uh, you know, guys like Matthew Stafford and Tyrod Taylor are going really late in drafts. Uh, you know, and, and look... Matthew Stafford has been one of those guys who I've hated in fantasy because I've always thought, and for the most part, proven correct most years, that he's overrated and that he's not going to put up the type of numbers usually has been drafted as a top 10, top five in some years quarterback. And, and there were just too many flaws, too many interceptions, never enough production, even though the volume was usually there. This year is really interesting for me, especially considering he lost Calvin Johnson. You would think it would go the other way, but... I like the little stable of receivers they've got there with Tate and Jones and Anquan Bolden and everything you hear coming out of Detroit about the Jim Bob Cooter offense, the best name in football, no less. The offense is, is going to move quick and up-tempo, and we've heard that before in Philly, but we also know what that can do for a quarterback's numbers. Like Chip or hate him, his quarterbacks put up fantasy numbers, and a guy like Stafford is more talented than, than any of the guys Chip ever had here in that type of an offense, and maybe not as aggressive with the up-tempo, but uh, you know, that type of offense, I think it's a really good situation with some decent players around him. So, And then Tyrod Taylor is the guy who was the eighth highest rated, uh, excuse me, eighth highest scoring fantasy quarterback last year, and is getting drafted, you know, at 16th, 15th, 18th at the position, which is also insane to me. And he's got a low floor because he's going to run a little bit too. So, Or even a guy like Kirk Cousins, who's going, you know, 12, 13, 14th at the position, I think has the potential to be a top 10 guy again, especially when you see what he did off that second half and, and the weapons that he's going to be throwing to. So I think the prevailing thing here is that you really can wait on quarterbacks. That's not a false narrative. Build up the rest of your team, and obviously unless there, there's a weird situation, I would take advantage of it and, and build up the rest of your roster. Two other quick quarterback uh, mentions here. RG3 is going, you know, 20th, 25th, 28th at the position. Look, he might be awful, but at the same time, just based on upside alone on what we've seen that guy do in this league and on his physical abilities and ability to run the ball, he's got to be going higher than that. I mean, he has to be, uh, you know, if you're when you're looking at second quarterbacks, you're looking at the guys, whether it's, uh, you know, and I like an upside play like Winston or Mariota or... But if you're talking about a guy like Matt Ryan or a guy like Joe Flacco or a guy like Jay Cutler or a guy like Alex Smith, all of whom are going in front of Robert Griffin III, you know, if you're asking that guy to be your backup quarterback, I think it makes a lot more sense to take a shot on Griffin, a guy who at least has that, that high ceiling where we've seen that these other guys, are they might be productive for you, but those aren't the type of guys who are going to win you a league. And if you're taking a quarterback as a backup especially – I really think taking those high-end options, and if you can get a Mariota or someone, that, that's worth a shot too, But uh, and, and obviously a better shot. He'll just be going earlier. Just think that that's probably worth the risk in those types of situations. And then Andrew Luck, I just think, is being a little underrated. I know he's a top-five quarterback for most people, but he was the number-one quarterback going into last year and, and got hurt. <laughs> you know, I, I Personally, I, I would take him second at the position after Cam Newton. Newton's the clear number one because of the running ability and, and the season he's coming off of. But, I, you know, I could see taking luck over Rodgers on upside. If you want to go Rodgers safety-wise, that's fine. And, and Russell Wilson, I get it. Great second half. But I think that luck is a lot closer to, to being right there with Rodgers and Wilson 
where you're seeing him really go a round or so later than those guys in most drafts. And I think that's a, I think that's a, a value that you could take advantage of. All right, let's move over to the running back position. As uh, One of the things I've noticed is there is a lot of backup running back talent with upside this year. And guys, and look, yeah, you know, it sounds silly. That's the whole premise of the zero running back philosophy or strategy, but this is the type of year you can see why that works. Because every year there are going to be backup running backs or handcuffs or whatever you want to call them who are going to end up having legitimate, legitimate fantasy value. We see it every single year. Whether it's the Christine Michael hype train out of control. Uh, yeah, there it is. You hear? I mean, like, Christine Michael it, it is the new star in the NFL, but, you know, there's reason for it. He's looked really, really good. He's always been talented. He's always had the ability. He's just been kind of a, a knucklehead. And it seems like all the stories you hear out of Seattle are that he's got it together, he's matured, and he's getting opportunities because Thomas Rawls isn't healthy enough to play in game action yet. Those are the type of situations you look for, especially with Rawls coming off that injury and, and kind of being a risky play this year. Christine Michael, and he's moving up draft boards now because the hype train is, has popped him up out of control, but you know he's going later than he should be. Uh, so is a guy like Derrick Henry. DeMarco Murray stinks. He stinks. He's not good. Like We saw it here in Philadelphia. We saw how bad DeMarco Murray looked, and I know he was coming off a bad year. Uh, excuse me. I know he was coming off a year of a, a trillion carries and touches, but, you know, he still looked cooked. And Derrick Henry, uh, that's a guy who I've really changed my opinion on from how he's looked so far. I'm always weary of the Alabama running backs, even if that's a, a bit of a fallacy, but I always have a bit of a skeptical eye with them coming in. And Henry, even though obviously the Heisman and all that, I wasn't super impressed with him in Alabama. I was more impressed with the line and guys like Brian Kelly, but He's looked great so far, and he's looked like he's got a lot more burst in him and ability to make people miss than DeMarco Murray does. And as the season progresses, especially for a team that isn't going to compete this year, most likely, I think Derrick Henry could be a guy over the second half of the season really makes an impact. Uh, another guy is Tevin Coleman. You know, you hear all this stuff about Devontae Parker being overrated, which I agree with, and yet not a ton of talk about Tevin Coleman being you know, someone people should target as a result. Coleman looked really good till he got hurt last year and has looked good so far in camp, apparently, and in the preseason. So I think that's another area you could take advantage of. Coleman can run and was a third-round pick for a reason, and they like him. And Freeman, you know, busted on the scene, had some huge games, but also had a bit of a rough second half. So there, there are signs there that that could be a, a more of a timeshare and ultimately Coleman could be the guy eventually. So I, I wouldn't just write that off, especially if you're already a little skeptical of Devontae Freeman. All right, wide receiver position is, is really deep this year. It, it really is. You've heard it a lot, but it is. There's a, a clear block of high-end talent and then a really nice group of, of consistent guys in the middle and then a bunch of nice upside plays. You know, receiver is really something where you can get quality throughout the entire draft. Some of the guys who have kind of either changed my opinion or, or risen for me Recently, uh, Marvin Jones, I mentioned Stafford and that I like what the Detroit offense is doing there. Marvin Jones has looked great there. We're starting to see kind of the reason that he got such a big free agent contract from them, the, the ability, the skills, the to catches in traffic, uh, long arms. Seems comfortable there. So I think that he's someone who maybe could end up challenging Golden Tate as, as being a, a high-volume receiver and more of a big play guy as well. So if that offense does get going and get that volume up, 
he's a guy who could really benefit. And speaking of guys who play with quarterbacks I already mentioned, Dante Moncrief is another guy who I think um, he's getting his due, but I'm really high on Moncrief this year. I think that him and Luck had a really good connection last year when they did play together before Luck got hurt. Moncrief, a talented kid, talented in college, talented has shown the talent, has bulked up a little bit, seems to be taking it seriously. I think he could be a guy who leads the team in receptions, actually. I know T.Y. Hilton's going to be that deep threat and, and make some big plays, but I think Moncrief could be like the Marvin Harrison type guy that, that you know, they could rely on there on, a, on you know, to get first downs when they need them and, and make big catches. Kind of like a, a couple of other guys who are, who are being undervalued in this uh, round of, of draft season and, and not really undervalued as much at the position of wide receiver because it's so deep but as a result have been going later in drafts because the position is so deep where they should be going before a lot of the running backs who are taken out of them or even quarterbacks. Guys like Eric Decker, Jeremy Macklin have been criminally underrated, especially Decker. I mean, Decker is falling like a weight in drafts and all that guy does is produce and he's in a great situation. He's got Brandon Marshall on the other side. Fitz is back. You know, I think Decker is a, is as safe, a low floor type of play as you can get kind of like Macklin, and uh, I think both those guys are not necessarily being valued for that. And then Randall Cobb is another guy who's coming off the worst season of his career, obviously, but having Jordy Nelson back is going to make a big difference from him. We've seen what he looks like with Jordy Nelson on the field and then without. Uh, He can't be the number one guy, but when he can work out of the slot and do what he does and do it well, he is a legitimate fantasy weapon, and, and he's going to be able to be open a lot more. And he's still 26 years old, so and has Aaron Rodgers thrown to him. So that's another guy I like. And then obviously there are some some guys who are going really low who who could be legitimate weapons. And guys like Kamar Aiken and Stefan Diggs who might not necessarily be big play weapons, but especially in PPR leagues, are guys who should get a lot of targets, a lot of catches, and a lot of volume. And that's something that's underrated in fantasy. When you're looking at the wide receiver position. Look at the targets. Look at the catches. Look at how often they're involved in their team's offense, their routes run. That's the kind of stuff that you can kind of take that next step with those stats and, and really see how involved they are in an offense. Last on tight ends, just a quick note. I'm kind of waiting on tight ends this year. I'm not going to end up with Gronk, likely. I'm not going to end up with the Olsons or the Jordan Reeds. You'll hear Sigmund Bloom in a little bit as a, as a big Jordan Reed fan, so he kind of goes the other way with that. I like Reed. I just find myself taking wide receivers and running backs in those spots and ending up with a guy like Gary Barnage or, or Martellus Bennett significantly later. Uh, and even Kobe Fleener has been dropping in a few drafts. And, uh, you know, in some drafts going really high, he's been one of those all over the place guys. But I uh, love the situation in New Orleans, obviously, with Ben Watson gone and, and that offense. Drew Brees has a way of making fantasy stars out of people. And Fleener is not a superstar, but he's shown that he can catch the ball when it's thrown to him and and score some touchdowns and and be a fantasy impact player. So that's another name to keep an eye on. And Delaney Walker, even though he's going in the top five, is still undervalued at 94 catches last year. He is the number one receiver on that team. He's certainly worth being a top four uh, tight end and is going significantly later than Reed Olsen and Grunk. All right, now it's that time as uh, we kind of have gone through a lot. You're about to hear a lot more as as Sigmund. I spoke to him a little bit ago and, and just brings the knowledge get ready with your pen and paper because he's got names flying for you today so uh here he is as always i'd like to welcome in our weekly guest he's the co-owner over at football.guys.com and you can follow him on twitter at sigmund bloom mr sigmund bloom sigmund how are you sir glad to have you back 
it's good to be back. And with each passing day, each passing week, uh, we can start to fill in some of the blanks. Of course, we don't ever get them all filled in. That's what keeps us coming back for more in fantasy football, the punishment, and occasionally <laughs> some rewards. Yeah, that's well said, well said. And you're, and you're always hoping for that reward. Uh, as they say, flags fly forever. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. So uh, first and foremost, I wanted to uh, touch base on uh, – we don't need to do the preseason takeaways type stuff. I want to I look forward a little bit at some of the situations that are developing – but first, I wanted to ask you about your approach with a round-by-round round thing. Uh, Mike Clay, who I know you know, you've been uh, I've seen you in some uh, fantasy drafts with him and, and whatnot. Uh, he had an interesting piece this week on ESPN.com about his targets per round. And, and that got me thinking, A, do you approach a draft like that? Are you looking at certain players in particular rounds? Uh, and also, do you prefer, you know, where in a draft do you prefer to, to pick from, or, or does it not really matter to you? This year, I don't think the slot matters. Uh, I think that there's a path to excellent drafts. Uh, no matter where your slot is, maybe if you have a specific first-round target, uh, you might want to pick an early slot. If you like Antonio Brown or Julio Jones or Odell Beckham, if you like David Johnson, maybe you might want to pick a late spot. Uh, so you might start there, but otherwise, I think you're equal uh, going forward. And as far as targeting players per round, I think that's an excellent way to go about your draft. Not necessarily in every single round, but going in with a plan and going in with a plan that fits together, so that if you get off of that plan, if an unexpected player falls or you get sniped, then you are able to adjust on the fly. You know, If you were planning on taking Jordan Reed in the third round at your tight end and he goes right ahead of you, then you automatically know my next option is going to be Travis Kelsey in the seventh or Martellus Bennett in the tenth or Antonio Gates in the ninth uh, so that you don't scramble. And then you know, three or four more tight ends go off the board. You don't feel rushed. The better your plan is, you don't want to be rigid, but at the same time, the more you feel like you understand what your plan is and how you will adjust it if you get off of that plan, then the less likely you're going to go on tilt during that draft that doesn't go as you expected. So nice reference of on tilt. Uh, but it, along those lines then, just in the, uh, real quick, in the early drafts that you've been doing or, or looking at your round-by-round -round analysis or where you have guys ranked, are there any particular guys that you've noticed in those first, let's say, four rounds you end up with a lot in a particular round? I do end up with Jordan Reed a lot in the early fourth or late third. I look at him as very similar to Rob Gronkowski on a week-by-week -week scoring basis. Yes, he's been injury-prone, but I'm planning on taking Martellus Bennett late in every draft, so I feel like I have a good backup tight end. And I just think that discount, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski going around the late first to Reed around the late third, when each week we're going to project them as similar as the number one in 1A tight end, I'll take that discount. I'll take the Jordan Reed injury risk when he actually was pretty healthy last year and played through some minor injuries and, and then try to build a juggernaut. That's always what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build a team that is un, well very said. difficult. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to just... It, I don't want to eke into the playoffs and hope things break my way. I want to have a team that is almost unbeatable at every position. I think taking Jordan Reed on the third, fourth is a way to do that. Um, I'm often finding myself in the first round. If you're, if AJ Green, if I draw a draft slot five, six, seven, eight, and AJ Green is there in a PPR league, he's a slam dunk pick. I think he's going to be right there with Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown as the focal point of the Cincinnati pass offense, maybe approaching 200 targets. Sticking with the theme of, of drafting and when you take guys where, uh, can you just real quickly just touch on the importance of tiers? And, and if in your tiers you notice any real notable drop-offs at a particular position? 
Sure. And I think that the important thing about tiers is just going with linear rankings, like 1 to 50 or 1 to 30 in a position or something like that, it doesn't tell the whole picture because sometimes the difference between 6 and 10 can be less than the difference between 10 and 11. So grouping your players in tiers or buckets allows you to know, oh, well, if I don't take my tight end now, this is the last one in this tier, and then um, I, I'm not going to want to take one for another three or four rounds, so it makes your decision easier. Where if you don't have players grouped in tiers, you can get fooled into thinking the next best player or second best player after the one you just passed on is similar when they're not. So I do think that um, you know, quarterback, perhaps the tiers stay a little bit more level. Uh, at tight end, I think you have a much steeper drop-off from Gronk to Reed to Olsen to Kelsey, and then I actually have Gates and Bennett, five and six, and there's a mishmash of guys there between, say, you know, and Eifert's injury kind of messed things up here because Eifert was number three before that. Um, at wide receiver, I think you have uh, some really interesting tiers where, for instance, in the second round, there's five or six wide receivers that I see interchangeable, guys like um, Sammy Watkins and Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. Uh, so that allows you to feel better about, say, an early first-round draft pick because you're getting roughly the same wide receiver in the late second as you were getting in the early second. Uh, at running back, I think the tiers, you have one interesting tier around clustered around the one-two turn, David Johnson, Lamar Miller, Ezekiel Elliott. You might want to include Adrian Peterson there. You might include Jamal Charles in there. Uh, and again, that gives you the possibility of going with uh, a running back, running back start. And, and then you say go with Jordan Reed and a wide receiver at the 3-4 turn, and you look at your wide receivers at the 5-6 turn. So understanding where those tiers are, where those sweet spots are, can help you get the most value out of your picks. And, and then your draft plan just kinds of uh, comes together around that. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to break it down and, and just want to emphasize the importance of tiers in your drafting. You really, it, it's a crucial to me uh, knowing how many guys are left at a particular position and, and who you like and, you know, whether it's worth reaching on a guy maybe because the drop-off is so steep. All right, Sigmund, uh, speaking of specific positions, I want to jump in and ask you a quick question about uh, uh, quarterbacks, running backs, and then wide receivers. Uh, first, a quarterback, you hear a lot that this is a big year to wait on quarterbacks. I know that's a common refrain in fantasy for, for a long time, but this year I've been hearing it especially prevalent. Um, a, have you, are you of that mind? I know there's a price always for every quarterback. And B, are, are there any late round options who are some of your favorites? I generally am of that mind. Now, in your casual leagues, for more of our listeners, followers, readers, quarterbacks might still go early, uh, but the quarterback is so deep. You used to say you can wait for everybody to take their starter and you'll be fine. Now we can say you can wait for everybody to take their starter and half of the teams to take their backup in a 12-team league. Yeah, you're right. And you can still get Tyrod Taylor, Marcus. These are guys that are quarterback 18 or lower. Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Even Alex Smith, I think, could be solid this year. Joe Flacco, who's quarterback 27 right now, is going to be in a high-volume pass offense. So I think that you can wait. Uh, but I, I probably wouldn't wait that long. I, I really like Matthew Stafford. I think he's going to be the centerpiece of the offense. I really like Kirk Cousins, who was a top-five quarterback down the stretch last year. Mm -hmm. And then if they fall apart, if they're not what we expect them to be, the waiver wire will be there for us. Now, that being said, uh, where quarterback streaming can come back to haunt you is in the playoffs, where you want to have that stud. And I fully endorse 
taking Drew Brees as an early quarter, quarterback. He's quarterback five. I have him as my second quarterback. I believe this is maybe the best set of weapons he's had in his career. Uh, and Russell Wilson, because I think that while they've been bringing Russell Wilson along slowly as a passing quarterback, we saw how much success the offense had with him last year as a strong passer in the second half of the year. And I think that is going to be the direction this offense goes. So he could rival Cam Newton. And hey, if, Cam, if they start to let Cam Newton fall to the fourth, fifth round, I'm not going to argue with you for breaking the seal there. I'm not going to argue with you if you want to take Tom Brady as the seventh or eighth quarterback because he was the quarterback one last year while he had Deion Lewis and Julian Edelman. And he hopefully, knock on wood, if these guys can stay healthy, will have them whenever he comes back in week five. I would endorse Phillip Rivers. Uh, if you can get him around the 10th or 12th quarterback, he was top three before Keenan Allen went down. So the point is you get it. There's a lot of options. Again, you just want to know what your options are. Oh, Tom Brady just went. Now my next pick is going to be Rivers in the next round. Rivers just went in front of me. Maybe you're looking then at Carson Palmer. Or, or again, that's whenever you're looking at uh, Cousins or Stafford next. There are options, but you just have to have clarity on which ones you like. And there are options really throughout your draft. Yeah, it's a great point, again, going back to the tiers with the example there. And, uh, of course, the idea that you can always pair a couple of those later guys together, maybe a more upside-type play and uh, and someone who's more consistent. So the, the, it's really a lot of options there. I agree. Uh, with running back, running back's interesting because, as you were talking about before, whether it's the, the – there are some guys at the top and some interesting plays. You know, the, uh, the David Johnson and Lamar Miller hype trains, you mentioned those are – are out of control right now with the stuff coming out of those camps, but um, more so kind of on the back end, because I think that uh, it's going to thin out, uh, and there are a lot of really intriguing situations, whether it's Oakland with DeAndre Washington or, uh, you know, Miami with those two guys or um, Will Melvin Gordon rebound in San Diego. There's a lot of interesting stuff for those you know, later round guys that you really need to hit on uh, in order to, especially in those deeper leagues, to... Uh, have a chance. So uh, of those types of situations, whether it be Oakland or Jacksonville or Washington, or a lot of those situations where maybe there's not a clear cut one or a one that is maybe on uneven footing from the jump, uh, who are the most interesting guys to you? I think there's no reason Bilal Powell should be going five or six rounds after Matt Forte. I think they're similar players. they got similar contracts, similar roles, and I would take Powell over Forte easily. Now, Forte's back in practice today, so at least he's over the hamstring, but that hamstring can be what they like to call the check engine light when they have hamstring injuries in the preseason and uh, going into training camp. Forte's was actually before training camp. Uh, you mentioned DeAndre Washington. That's a decent one, just with the Oakland having some misgivings about Latavius Murray, but it does sound like they're ready to go into the season with Murray as the starter, and uh, I think that if you take Murray in the fourth or fifth round. That's not terrible just because that offensive line and the offense is so improved. I like Devontae Booker as someone to watch. He's moving into the backup role in Denver. C.J. Anderson has never put a full season together of health and production. And if that happens this year, if he stubs his toe, maybe literally, then Devontae Booker can get a chance to carry the load there. And I think he showed at Utah, he's the kind of running back that will take 30 or 35 touches in a game and even get stronger as the game goes on. Uh, otherwise, I think Rashad Jennings presents interesting value as he finished the year strong, and it sounds like the Giants want to go into the season with him as the starter. And Frank Gore, this isn't one that's necessarily uncertain, but he's a sixth or seventh round pick that you can get who's a running back one for his team, goal line option, receiving option. Indy's an okay offense. They could be better if Andrew Luck bounces back this year. Uh, so I think that's a situation that you can exploit that is necessar- not necessarily because of a lack of clarity, just because uh, it's a bit of overcorrection to Gore being disappointing last year when he was still a solid running back too while Indy was crumbling around him. 
Yeah, Gore he just keeps going, man. It's unbelievable. He's at, you know, you expect him to be like 60 years old. He's I think he's only like 31 or 32. But um, all right, quickly, a real quick one on the wide receivers before uh, we jump into it. Two quick Twitter questions. Uh, just with the the camp guys, the guys, the Mike Thomas, the Sammy Quotes, the Tyler Boyds, you're hearing a lot of those names. Is there one of those names, and, and maybe it's Mike Thomas because you did just mention that uh, Drew Brees' best weapons of his career casually mentioned that. I like how you tossed that in. Um, potentially. Um, but uh, it, are, are there any of these guys who really jump off the page for you? Well, Michael Thomas is a big one. Uh, and I think that the thing about Michael Thomas is that he is playing the Colston role and he's a better player than Colston was as a rookie. And Colston had uh, over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns as a rookie in this role. Now, Colston didn't have Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed and Kobe Fleener around him. But I just ask the question, the rhetorical question to folks out there. When was the last time that somebody that was an above average talent as a pass catcher did not get theirs in New Orleans. Brees has only really had Jimmy Graham, arguably, yeah. as somebody who was an above average talent. He's made fantasy options out of solid players. Michael Thomas is already showing with his circus catches, with his ability to beat the jam, with his run after catchability, that he can be a lot more than that. So I think that of the players, they're getting those kinds of uh, oohs and ahs. I mean, I, I, there are other players I have moved up. You know, I've moved Tyler to lock it up. Um, I've moved Sammy Coates up, but he's still speculative and didn't have a great opening game in preseason, so we have to watch that. Stephon Diggs is somebody that I've moved up. Devin Funches is another one that, along the lines of ba- Powell and Forte, I have no idea why you would take Kelvin Benjamin, who's still not in game shape yet, in the fourth round when you can get Funchess in the 11th, 12th, 13th round, and they may be very similar producers. Uh, I've added Kristen Michael to my end of the draft list because I've always been a fan of his talent. Now, if his head's on straight, that could be something to watch. Tyrell Williams in San Diego. I know you didn't ask for this many, but no, I just... awesome. I was just going to... So as soon as you were done, I was going to say, damn, you packed so much info in for a question. It's awesome. It's really great. Yeah, so there's a lot. And Ty- Terrell Pryor, Tyrell Williams, Anquan Bolden. There's a lot of players that are doing uh, things to get on our radar, Malcolm Mitchell. And I think that we have to watch that, especially with rookies. We start out with Michael Thomas. That first clue is how that first camp goes. Yeah, it's a great point. So much knowledge in there. All right, uh, two quick quitter questions. One is one is fun, and one is, uh, let's start with the the actual football, more football-y one first, and it, it kind of combines two. Uh, our buddy Mario, uh, uh, at Mario ZMD on Twitter, uh, asks, how high would in the first round would you be willing to draft Gronk? Uh, and obviously it's in a, a vacuum here. We don't have specifics, but we also have another Gronk question, so we can kind of pair him. 12-team uh, PPR, no tight end slot. Uh, keep Gronk with the 11th pick or Golden Tate in the 4th. Uh, he says the end of round one could be bleak. So uh, uh, the keeper one and then just your general stance on Gronk in the first round. No, I'm not going with Gronk in the first round. Uh, I just I like Jordan Reed. If I miss on Jordan Reed, I'm fine with Antonio Gates, but Bennett. I'm fine with uh, Julius Thomas. I'm fine with improvising uh, Dwayne Allen. I'm not going with Gronk in the first round. I, I love Gronk. It pains me to say that. But then you look at his numbers now. Gronk is a wide receiver, basically, with the number 11 pick. Uh, he had 72 for once, uh, 11.76 and 11 touchdowns in uh, 15 games last year. 
Now, if we want to roughly compare that to wide receiver numbers, uh, you know, that is going to put you in roughly the territory of, we'll say, uh, Brandon Cooks or you know, Larry Fitzgerald's numbers, at least in terms of yards and touchdowns. Uh, in other words, he's not going to be as, as much a, as big of a stud when you have tight end and wide receiver grouped together as when you break him out by himself. And because of that, and you know, I like some of these receivers, like Brandon Cooks, for instance. Uh, he's, if it's just a one-keeper league, you're basically looking at actually the 23rd pick for Gronk, which I think is about break-even. Um, if, if it's not a PPR league, I don't like Golden Tate as much. So I probably would lean towards Gronk there, but it is basically a break-even keeper. It is a PPR. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If it is a PPR, then Golden Tate in the fifth is probably a little more attractive proposition to me. Neither of these guys are guys that I'm jumping at to be a keeper. But I wouldn't be surprised if Gronk is still there for him in the, the number 11 pick. Yeah, I agree. Great point about the, the no tight end slot and how much that impacts the value. All right, uh, last Twitter question. Uh, a little fun here. Uh, Matt Grumbeck, our buddy on Twitter, says, uh, what should I name my fantasy team that will probably barely miss the playoffs again? Uh, Eagles theme, if possible. You have any? You don't have to give me a specific Eagles theme, but do you have any favorite team names this year? I'm really. This is an area where I'm really deficient, but I like dark team names. You know, me too. I, I, I would uh, something that people almost go, ooh, that's wrong. That's kind of yes. wrong. No, like, sure. Like, like, like work in the Zika virus or something like that. You know, something, something about the Rio Olympics or uh, I, 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 my brain is not firing fast enough to give a good answer here, but I definitely think you want to go on the dark side and on the side that maybe may make your site, your league site may be something that, you know, you don't want people looking over your shoulder whenever the, the, you're at work. Yeah, no, my oldest keeper league, that, that's exactly the way it goes. And my one buddy has for years uh, been picking a famous person that died that year and naming his team something usually inappropriate, you know, uh, definitely skirting the edge of uh, of appropriateness, but at the same time is uh, is is quite the dark humor. Yeah, let so, your hair down. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm a fan as well. You're playing fantasy. Listen, you're not, uh, you know, have fun with it. So, all right, uh, as always, before we let you go, Sigmund, and we really appreciate the time, a real quick one. Uh, inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom, last week we got a little uh, music insight, which actually led to Daft Punk now being the official open of this show, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Um, so let, let's, uh, let's stick in the... Uh, the whole pop culture world. And uh, on Twitter this week, one of the big hashtags I saw was fave seven films. Uh, so your favorite movies, we don't have to go seven, but I'm about to give, how about you give me your five favorite movies? And it can be whether it's because of rewatchability, because of, you know, just the best ones you've ever seen or the impact, whatever it is, your criteria, which we can judge you on as well. Sure. And this is difficult because I'm a film lover. I'm a me film, too. I'm a film snob. Okay. Um, I have to say, as a kid, a little kid, like four or five years old, my first favorite movie was Blues Brothers. I have to include nice. Blues Brothers in here. Um, I think a movie that really stopped me in my tracks as a teenager and affected my social consciousness was Do the Right Thing. Uh, so that would have to make the list. Awesome. Um, the, the movie that was responsible for me coming to Austin, and, and a movie that is, I know this isn't for everybody, but the movie Slacker, uh, it just spoke to me in a way that said, this is where you belong. Mm -hmm. And it is where I, I, I belong. That's awesome. Um, I'm a Link Ladder guy myself. Uh, Life Aquatic. Um, Life Aquatic for so many reasons. I think it's a great meditation on depression. I, uh, Wes Anderson films, we could do a whole discussion on that. Oh my, God. my wife my wife would hop on and talk to you for the next 15 hours. They it's, are it's, her favorite, it's fantastic. favorite movies. 
and as and and I wish that I was saying this wink wink nudge nudge, but I love the quote in there. I am a father. Uh, I hate fathers, and I never wanted to be one. And I wish that I was saying that, you know, bittersweet. Um, what is that? Is that four or five now? That's four. You get you owe me one more. This is so difficult. It is, isn't it? It's really hard because you like different movies for different types of reasons, and I totally agree. I'm gonna go ahead and say Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, nice. just because it's a it's a, a more of a true love story and a story about what makes love so durable and enduring than the typical romantic movie. But I, truly, I could go on and on and on about them. I probably would rather talk about film than football sometimes because so many films have affected me in so many ways. I have, I, there's no Jim Jarmusch movie on there. That's There's no new wave French movie on there. There's nothing like, you know, from the great R-rated comedy era like Anchorman. Yes. Yeah. So I could go, there's no, I didn't get into foreign films. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I totally am with you. I, you could get, you could have gone Trudeau on me, and you, know, you could have gone, okay, I actually wrote about Do the Right Thing in a film class in, in college, so I am, uh, I'm with you, I'm a movie buff as well, and I, it's hard to, to put it into that, uh, that small uh, a context, but still nice to kind of get an impression of the types of films that, that you enjoy. Um, and uh, I, speaking of Linklater, before I let you go, have you seen Everybody Wants Them yet? Not yet. Oh, you got to see it. It's it's awesome. We'll do. We'll do. It's really good. All right. So uh, we will let him go next week. We'll uh, we'll find another way to get inside that mind. But again, for always awesome, awesome fantasy knowledge. Uh, Sigmund, anything on footballguys.com this week uh, people should check out? Yeah, you know, we've just I just published my auction values. I just published my top 200 in PPR. Of course, if you're getting ready to draft, you got to get the mobile draft dominator. Pick that up in, in the App Store or uh, for your Android phone, and it's the best draft assistant. And of course, subscribe. You will not be sorry if you subscribe to footballguys.com. Yeah, you can't be. You just heard this this knowledge. This I ask him a question, and he gives me you know the most detailed answer you could ask for. He's the best. Check it out, footballguys.com. Follow him on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. Again, Sigmund Bloom, thank you, fan. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Just awesome stuff from Sigmund. As always, we appreciate it. And, and of course, Sigmund will be back next week. Okay, guys, I'm working on a couple extra shows, too. I'm going to try and get a couple extra guests in here and try and provide some more content as we get into this big part of, of draft season coming up here in the last few weeks. So we'll be here. Definitely tweet me questions, tweet me thoughts. I'm always available to help you if you you're doing a draft and you want to bounce a, a couple options off somebody or whatever definitely feel free to, to tweet me email me at james.seltzer at gmail whatever uh, but speaking of leagues uh, we are as I mentioned last week going to be doing uh, this week in fantasy listener league uh, I am still getting confirmations from the BGN guys John Barchard is definitely in Matt Daring is definitely in and a couple more will definitely be in as well so I'll let you guys know next week the exact number of slots that are open but in the meantime this is how you can get in if you want to get in Pretty simple, pretty easy, okay? Just tweet at me the best reason why you should be in the league. That's it. You know, just tweet at me. Say, this is the reason I should be in the league. You get one tweet. Be concise. Figure it out. You know, humor works. Heartfelt works. Whatever it is. Just, if you know me, try and appeal to me. Because I am the judge, jury, and executioner in this case. So, Uh, I will be making the decisions. But, again, you know I love humor. Uh, If you want to tell me I'm the greatest of all time, Probably won't work, but worth a shot. It never hurts to hear that. But uh, either way, again, tweet at me, at James Seltzer. 
uh, just tell me why you should be in the league, and uh, the best ones will be in, uh, and I'll announce the draft date coming up as well, and I'll make sure that it's one that we can all agree on and everyone can be involved. So really excited about that, excited uh, anyone who wants to be in. I appreciate it. It's super cool that anyone wants to play in a fantasy league with me. Um, so I, I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to hearing some of those submissions. All right, again, that's going to do it for episode two of This Week in Fantasy. As always, thank you to Sigmund Bloom. I'm your host, James Seltzer. Again, podcast league submissions at James Seltzer. Hit me up. And again, also any fantasy questions or anything like that, always feel free. So thanks again, guys, and that'll do it. And uh, we'll be back soon to help you through your drafts. Good luck to anyone who has a draft between now and the next show. And and hit me up if you need me. Again, thanks for listening, guys, to episode two of This Week in Fantasy. And it's about two in the morning. I just finished doing the song. Now I'm ready for sleep. But first, I want spaghetti to eat. And it's a good Italian restaurant right up the street. So I jumped in the Jeep, stashed the heat under the seat. Then I got a beat. My voice is hoarse, barely can speak. I called back on the cell. It was Cody, mad as hell. He told me to listen well as he started to yell.